Thank you so much um, for everybody who's joined this session so far. Um, if you don't know me, um, I'm Jessica, um, and I'm one of the co-founders of The Pioneers. Um, and a little bit about my background. So my, my career background was actually in um, nonprofit organizations and human resources, and I quit my job um, actually in... December, January timeframe um, to actually take um, my business and my writing full time. So it's been a fun transition. We're going to talk a little bit more um, about that this evening, as well as um, talking about the, the exciting things that Mel has been up to. Um, so first, what I would love to do is just tell you a little bit about like, what is SlowFi? What is the purpose of these coffee chats? Um, what we're focusing on today, I'll introduce Mel, um, and then um, I can tell you more about how you can participate um, in, in the conversation this evening. Um, so in SlowFi um, is a concept that we created within the last couple of years. Um, we wanted to really start to change the narrative within the financial independence space that the point of financial independence and financial freedom is not just to like work really, really, really hard and be miserable until you can like ride off into the sunset and have 100% freedom, right? That, that it is actually a spectrum um, and that you are able to take advantage of that freedom a lot earlier to design a life that you love along the journey. Right. So that's the essence of SloFi, right? It's it's this balance of building financial freedom and designing lives that you love without waiting to retire early. Um, the purpose of these SloFi coffee dates um, is to explore different topics and ideas related to SloFi. Um, so the content would be is will be similar to the interview series that's on the blog. Um, but this way we get to go deeper, right? I, I know sometimes when I'm doing um, the sort of interview style um, posts, I would I want to just like have a conversation with the person and like pick their brain about all the different things that they're doing and learning. Um, and so this is an opportunity to do that and to go um, deeper into those. Um, this is not meant necessarily to be an interview style conversation, um, right? We're, we're hoping that this is like a two-way conversation, a two-way dialogue where we're diving in deep to the things that we're doing and learning and focusing on. Um, so Hopefully it feels that way. The I would say the vibe we're going for is like, call your girlfriend. Um, so today we are going to be focusing on some of the biggest changes that have happened um, in our lives recently. Um, and so we're going to be talking about both sabbaticals um, and entrepreneurship um, in this time together. Um, if you have any questions, um, we would love for you to participate throughout the course of the discussion. Um, we actually have um, a friend of mine, Nicole, who is monitoring the chat for us and who is pulling out questions over the course of the, the time together. Um, and so if you have any questions or anything that you want us to dig in a little deeper on, put that in the chat um, and then Nicole will make sure 
um, that that gets recorded um, so that we're able to, to see it. Um, we're not going to be actively monitoring the chat throughout the course of, of the event because it's hard to keep track of it and to sort of stay on task. So, um, so Nicole will be doing that for us. Um, and then feel free also to chat amongst yourselves. Um, on the chat, I've definitely seen, you know, if you have a question and or if you have an answer to someone else's question, feel free to hop in um, and answer that in the chat. We all have important knowledge that we're able to share with each other. Okay, so without further ado, I would like to introduce Mel. Um, Mel is the blogger behind the blog Modest Billionaires. Um, and Mel has been an incredible inspiration to me. Um, so she actually participated in my beta version of my coaching program back in 2019 um, for Design a Life You Love. And then we've grown um, to be great friends over the last few years. Um, I always say that Mel is my blogging BFF. Um, and so she's, you know, we're, we've we do, we've done like an annual planning process with each other a couple of times. Um, and we are accountability partners and meet on a weekly basis to talk about our goals, what, you know, what we've accomplished, where we feel stuck. Right. And so Mel is right. One of my dearest friends. So I'm excited to do this um, event with her this evening. Um, and then a little bit more specifically about Mel um, she recently decided to take a one-year sabbatical um, to focus on time with her family and building her business. Um, and so I'm super excited to dig into the conversation today. So welcome. I'm super excited. Thanks for inviting me. And likewise, I'm, I feel like you're such a valuable friend and I appreciate our planning together and just our fun, regular chats. But also it's nice to have someone that's living similar things going on in life and, and doing such a big transition uh, at a similar time. So I appreciate you. Thanks for inviting me. For sure. So Mel, actually to give people a little background on you, could you tell them a, a little bit about your FI journey generally? Like when did you learn about FI um, and like yeah. what point in the journey are you right now? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, so finance is a big part of like my life in the background. I studied business. Um, I was always attracted to it uh, and understanding it. So when I was working as a senior advisor in the federal government, I bounced between jobs. And at one point, um, we were I was almost done paying off $25,000 of student debt. And that's when I was like, what's the next goal. And that's when I stumbled on Mr. Money Mustache was my first introduction. And then I really enjoyed that Fintist. And I, I was super excited. And I'm like, I went to my, my partner, well, my spouse now, and I went to him and I'm like, let's do this. Like, we'll cut down our spending and, and get to financial independence in like 10 years. And he was like, yeah, no thanks. I, like we were living pretty frugally already. So it's a good introduction. Um, but I was kind of stubborn and still made my own plan, but I had to adjust it with our life. And then it's when we were expecting our first kid in 2014 that he was like, hey, uh, tell me about this financial independence thing. And he got really on board and, and we created a, a real plan this time. 
together that was a 10-year plan to financial independence. And that was six years ago. So uh, our plan was by 2025, we want to be financially independent. We added two kids to our family, now four of us. And along the journey, I wanted to do like spend more time with the kids, spend the summers off. So I kind of had that mindset of like including time off. Um, but still things changed. And now today, like I'm, I'm on my sabbatical. So, and we're, we're 80% of the way to FI. So just a bit background on where I'm at, where my journey is, but that's pretty much it. Awesome. So let's talk. I want to hear more about your decision to take a sabbatical. So like, what does the sabbatical, like, what does that look like for you? Um, And like, how did you make the, like, what was the motivation to do that? Yeah. So definitely began like early on in our planning. As I mentioned, I had these ideas of doing like summers off and taking a bit of time off. But really what was driving it is finding out like why we're pursuing financial independence. And I think it's so important, like for anyone on that journey to me, that was spending time with my kids and my family, but also keep on learning and focusing on my passion and work like that. And then I wanted to take those values and in like kind of place them along the journey, like sparkle them throughout the journey. So we're not like compromising it for when we reach that financial independence. And it was doing it in a way that like there's a compromise, the end goal of that financial independence while also having those short-term desires. And the idea of the sabbatical is kind of another vehicle to do that and really test that out, uh, test out entrepreneurship, which is my passion work. I'm passionate about coaching and helping people with their finances, Uh, but doing it in a way that's part-time since I'm coast fi now, I don't necessarily need to do like full-time hours. I can have some more time with my kids, have the summers off with them. It's really kind of along the way that you suggest to incrementally use that freedom for those values and for that why behind FI. Awesome. For anybody, so I guess one thing that we can talk about for anybody who might not be familiar with what Coast FI is, um, we can define that. So that, I, I would define that as when you're at a point in time where you no longer need to save for your traditional retirement. So that's when you have enough already saved in your investments for retirement, that those will continue to grow and provide you with a comfortable traditional retirement. So that basically means at that point, you could choose to scale back on work and only cover your actual costs um, of living. Right. And so that give that can give people a lot of freedom or, you know, there, there are many people who reach that point and aren't necessarily comfortable with saying like, I'm going to scale back completely. Um, Mm -hmm. But it can give you a feeling of freedom to be able to say like, I can start to scale back. Right. And I can, Mm -hmm. I can start to use that freedom to make my life better. Even if you, you're still worried about, um, like, for example, we have reached Coast 5, but we haven't scaled back completely yet um, because part of it is just the comfort level and knowing, like, that there are some risks associated with saying, like, I'm, I'm just going to cover my cost of living 
if like the market would tank or we would get to a point where we would be like unable to work after like the age of 50, which I know happens for a lot of people. Um, Mm -hmm. you know, and so many people will say, okay, I, I'm not ready to scale back completely. Um, but I'm ready to scale back a little bit. So those are like two options that you have, um, when you get to coast by, and I know Mel, if you're 80% to fi, you are well past the, the coast fi number. Um, and so for you to be saying you probably, if you wanted to, could be pulling some of your money out, but you're choosing not to do that. Is that right? Exactly. I did like many scenarios of projections. And like, if I just cover my cost of expenses, that takes me to, I'm, I'm in my thirties, early thirties. So I'd be around 40 and financially independent. Um, and that's the plan I'm kind of following right now, just covering my full expenses but I could scale back and I would still reach financial independence in my forties, just a bit later on. Right. So you still would have the ability to retire early. Yep. Right. In the, in the traditional sense, if you wanted to. Right. But, but I guess the the likelihood is that you probably aren't going to want to because you have work that you really enjoy doing. So let's talk about that. Um, so what's the work that you do and why did you decide to start doing a side hustle on top of your nine to five? Mm. So it started, I'd say it started with a blog, though that wasn't really a side hustle itself. It was more about how I was really invested into finances, like in the sense of like, I was really passionate about it. So I wanted to keep on learning, keep myself accountable, but also share with others and perhaps help others along the way. And by exploring and communicating around that passion, it gave me some opportunities to test. And concretely, that's family and friends because I was anonymous, but I was still talking about like what I was learning on the blog and by writing to my friends and family. I started getting asked, like, can you help me with my budget, my financial plan and stuff? And I found out that it was super energizing to me. That was work I could, like, I fall into flow and it just, like, pulls me through and it's it's so fun. Um, and knowing that during the journey, like, exploring um, allowed me to kind of craft the plan and adapt it to it. Back when we were doing our first, like... Um, our first, the first version of your design your life program, I was realizing that this opens up options, taking this into a side hustle way and like actually helping other people getting rewarded, like money for it in exchange and everything was rewarding, but it, it might be something that I'd still want to keep doing, even if I reach financial independence. So I'm finding that out like several years before my targeted date. And I start to think, well, maybe I don't need to go get to that full point to transition into this. It could cover part of my cost of living. It really helped me like kind of adapt the plan to make it more enjoyable overall. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Um, And then I'm curious, like what, point did you decide like so so let's go back to the idea of like the sabbatical right so you decided to take a one-year sabbatical but I think my understanding is that you're hoping that at the end of the year you're not actually going to go back 
Yes, it is a test. That's how I'm I'm mm-hmm. seeing it. Um, I like having that option in the background. It allows me to kind of t- take a step back and not have that pressure and just fall into a scarcity mindset of I need to take any contract that comes over. Like I can be selective and be like, this is really a good fit. I want to work with this person. I want to do this project. Like I can be more selective around my boundaries and everything because I know I have a fallback plan. So I'm not as like stressed about like right now do all the things. I'm like, let's do this right. Take my time to gradually build up. Um, but I do have the option. I'm really lucky to, to have that option. That's a rare occurrence. Mm-hmm. I work for the federal government in Canada and we have the opportunity to take leaves without pay in different circumstances. Um, so I feel lucky to have that in the background, but I also I, I value it while still kind of wanting to keep pursuing that. And like a month and a half into this or almost two months now, um, yeah, I kind of, I really, it's going by too fast that I'm like, I really want this to continue. Mm-hmm. And I, I see it as that, I see it as feasible mm-hmm. from like my target. Like you mentioned, Jess, like someone on Coast Fi can decide to scale back just up to a certain level, but mostly people on the Fi journey are often saving like 40% to 60%, even more than their income. So if you're looking at it, I only need to cover the portion that I was spending. It's 40% of what I used to be making. It doesn't feel that huge of a mountain to climb, having that backup of all the journey that that took me there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. So so then you're seeing the year off as an experiment with the hope yes. that the business will grow to a place that it will cover your portion of the expenses so that you don't need to go back at the end of the the year. I'm curious about the like finances piece behind it. So like, what did you, what were some of the things you needed to do to like, or some of the things you needed to get in place for yourself to feel like you could take this, this year off and like what, what, so there's that piece, right? There's the, like mm-hmm. the, the finances yeah. and then there's the mental piece of like, mm-hmm. at what point did it, did it, you feel like it made sense for you to like take a sabbatical to like take this risk on your business? Mm-hmm. So for the financial aspects, um, I, as I mentioned, I draft, I, I'm a big spreadsheet <laughs> nerd. I love playing in spreadsheets and having different like scenarios projected out. Uh, so as I mentioned, I had that those projections of like, what if I only coast? What if I need to pull out a portion of my investment? What if the growth like really falls in the first few years? So I did that. I did multiple scenarios of this. I also worked with a coach that focuses on transitions, Jillian Jones-Rude. I'm sure a lot of you in the space know her. She's fantastic. Uh, but she became financially independent and has started business. So she's been in a similar scenario of transitioning into this spy life while also wanting to create passion business. So she helped me also create different kind of contingencies, uh, one of which was h- how many different ways could I think of making that, that income to cover my expenses and I did like mind mapping around that. Um, that was 
really helpful, not just for the financial piece to know that I have those different ways, but for the mental piece. That's where it really came in to have like those contingency plans, um, having those different ideas of options. And then I'd say um, to get to the mental piece. Well, part of that is a- part of that is the mental piece, right? Of saying, of right. like answering that question. That's like, <sighs> what are all of the ways that I could generate X amount of money in a year? Mm-hmm. Right. And I, I wanted to come on, comment on that too, because I think like I used to before meeting all of these amazing people who are like, you know, people are making money doing anything and everything. Like it's kind of amazing to see. And like, I used to think like, oh, I could never make money outside of a job. Like I never understood how people did that. Um, yeah. And now I see, and I think about it and I'm like, oh my gosh, like I would never need to go back to a traditional job because I could do all of these different possible things Mm -hmm. because there's so many ways to generate income. Even if something's a small income stream that adds up to, right, a lot of things, Um, you know, right. And I know that some Mm -hmm. of the things that you were thinking about were like, you could do do some affiliates on your blog or you could Mm -hmm. do some like translation, some like English to French French translation work. What were some of the other like ideas of income streams? Yeah, I had, I I had done a lot of like translation just as a side hustle um, and then doing uh, CVs, um, resumes (laughs) and uh, coaching for interviews is something that I've done in my work and other stuff, which which is all things that like I might consider at one point or just Mm -hmm. on a volunteer basis too. Mm -hmm. Um, But I I focus on stuff that I enjoy doing too, Mm -hmm. which was fun. And you, you made me think by saying that of like seeing what others can do, that was a huge, huge portion of the mental piece. Like, getting more involved in the financial community, like going to the FinCon back in 2019, just like talking to people, attending events like this and seeing that people are actually creating these different lives than the usual scripts was huge in my mindset and being like, well, I could try and see what happens. And Mm -hmm. yeah, that was a, that was a significant shift for me too was seeing like people do this and you know like for me when I first started my business like my thought and Mel you probably remember this my thought was like oh well I think I would really enjoy it and like maybe I would make some income maybe I wouldn't or like maybe I would make enough that I could like semi-retire and maybe I'd make like 10 to 20,000 a year or something like never expecting that it could be something that it would be like a full-time job or like a business, like an actual Mm. business. Um, Right. And, but it was through that process of like meeting other people and learning about the things that they were doing and realizing like, wow, people actually do this for a living. And like, that's a thing. Um, And then for me, it was, I worked with a coach um, as well. Um, who focus who focuses specifically on helping coaches um, create and you know build and market their their coaching programs. And I was just exposed to so many different people who were, you know, making a living coaching in sort of different kinds of ways. Um, 
And that was really inspiring to be like, yeah, yeah. if they can do this, like I can probably do this too. And there's like a structure and there's ways that people, like there are specific like ways that are generally successful that you can like use as models to follow. Mm-hmm. Um, right. And so part of it was saying like, I can learn these things. Yes. There's like some things I need to adapt and, you know, make my own, but that there is a process and I can follow it and I can trust the process was like kind of a, a, a sort of like revolutionary, like mm-hmm. thought for me to be like, yeah, I can trust the, pro- I can just like trust the process. Um, yeah. And I like, I definitely remember you like in your initial projections and then how quickly you kind of immersed yourself, not only with the coach, but you also had like, you know, kind of like uh, mastermind groups and then looking up, like there's a lot of resources that free online too, like coaching groups and, Mm -hmm. or in any profession, like VAs have like different resources where people just share their experience and what worked for them. And all of the combination of those pieces, like really fast track what Mm -hmm. you had in mind for your timeline. Mm -hmm. It it was the same for me. Like last, when I started working with Jillian was uh, January, 2019. Yeah. 2020 feels like it disappears sometimes from my mind, but 2019 in January, uh, no, in, in December, 2019. So that's like a little over a year and a half ago. And I was, my timeline was 2023 to start transitioning into coaching and either part, like I thought I would go part-time first from my job and then to coaching and then COVID hit and the balance just wasn't working. So things changed, but all of those support systems helped really fast track everything. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's, that's just like a, it's an incredible thing. Like I think um, in, for, for me, it's like embedding yourself within the context of a community where the thing you want is just like the normal thing. Right. Yeah. And where people are like, Oh yeah, that's totally possible. Like I, you know, I remember coming to, to um, some of our like life design mastermind groups and being like, you know, like this seems like a really cool idea, but it's like pie in the sky. Like this is not something I can do for a while. And everyone was like, well, why not? Like you could totally Mm -hmm. do that and you could do that like tomorrow. Um, You know, and I, and I feel like that's such the like, you know, like if I was trying to do this on my own without that support system, right. So without the people who, right. Are also doing similar work to me, um, you know, in the writing and coaching space and not being embedded in those communities, there's no possible way I would ever been able to like ramp up the business Mm -hmm. as quickly, or even probably get through to a launch because it was so it's hard, right? It's hard to put yourself out there and it's hard to, it's, it's really hard to like get something started without Mm -hmm. having that support system in place because right. You're for, for, right. It's like your inner critic is like going on overdrive the entire time Mm. you're trying to start something new. And so having that community, um, 
you know, is really the thing that accelerated, I would say, the the, the path to entrepreneurship um, for me. Actually, Absolutely. someone in the audience asked if we knew each other before blogging. Um, oh, we no. didn't. Yeah. So, <laughs> so Mel and I actually, um, I think we started like reading each other's blogs first. Yeah. And then fine. like saw each other on social media <laughs> and then would like chat and then, like, I remember you, you like DM'd me a question and I was like, oh, sure. Yeah. I can answer the question. Um, and so then we like got to chatting um, and then we actually had a chance to meet in person um, at the, one of the financial blogging, financial media conferences in 2019. Um, and that was yeah. after we had actually started doing that the lifestyle design group together too. That was pre the event. Um, yeah. And then, yeah, so we did, that was like a six month, um, like lifestyle design group together. Um, and then have been like meeting weekly ever since. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, so yeah, we did not, we did not, um, we didn't meet beforehand. Um, I actually saw another question come in related to that is how did you find the mastermind group? Um, it was funny. <laughs> I read a, I read a book about lifestyle design um, and I put a question out on Twitter and I said, has anyone read this book or I was would just you be starting interested it, in reading the book? Mm-hmm. And would you like to meet in a group to discuss it? Um, and I had three <laughs> other women raise their hands and say like, Hey, oh my gosh, I'm just reading the book or I would love to read that book and discuss it. Um, and so we had, um, the book, um, that we read was called designing your life. Um, and we um, read that, um, together and went through all of the different activities and we met, um, I think every two to four weeks um, and just discussed so. the, the, you know, went through all the activities and discussed them with each other. And it's pretty amazing to see the place where all of us in that group are, you know, two years later. Yeah. It's really, really neat. Um, and it was so valuable to have a group to work those exercises around because it's a lot of like, testing out things you want in your life and coming back and reflecting. Um, and it was really valuable to have like different experiences. And, and like you mentioned before, just having that little voice in your mind and those limiting beliefs that are like, I can't really do that. Or I can't do that now. Like myself, I was like, I can't do that. I have the kids and I don't have that much time. Like, but then people are like, well, what about if you spend like two hours here, two hours here? And like, it helps you like break out of your regular pattern of, of like thinking. It's very valuable. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And another way, and I don't know, Mel, if you have any other examples of this, but I feel like it would be helpful for people to hear, like, how do you actually like build relationships and get in touch with other people who are similar to you? Um, right. And so a few ways, um, that I've done that. Um, so, you know, I gave the example of um, how Mel and I connected just on Twitter um, and started reading each other's blogs. Um, there also, for example, I'm part of like an online um, membership for other people who are 
like blogging and podcasting and things like that. Um, and so I'm part of a mastermind group with other people who are creating um, either like courses or coaching. Um, and so that's a mastermind that's um, structured, right? And so it's like I signed up for the program and then I was placed with a mastermind with people who were similar to me. So there are programs that do that. Um, as well, for example, right, the coaching that I do um, puts everyone into a group and with an accountability partner. Um, and then I, I also have mastermind groups that I run as well. So that's always an option, um, you know, is to find a program that would provide that for you. Um, mm-hmm. Mel, how have you, what are, what are ways besides Twitter and social media that you've sort of built yeah. some of these relationships? Well, it's still social media, but like I've been organizing the local Choose Fi meetups. So that's always a another way people, especially in the pandemic, people have enjoyed just like lifting your hand up and saying, hey, I'll put a Zoom together and you put a poll about the time and you actually create connections where you find people with similar interests. And then you might set up like just a lunch date with someone else who's into the same type of things that you are. Like for people in the FI space, there's a ton of those groups. Uh, but even as I mentioned, like VAs, coaches, there's different different groups. Otherwise, forums. I can only think of things online. I'm trying to think of different things. They're but mainly online. <gasps> <laughs> and it's our last year too. Like I feel like our mm-hmm. lives have been online lately. Mm-hmm. Um, but in regular times, there's events like meetups. Mm-hmm. Um and conferences conferences are a great place um, where you meet people with similar interests and that are kind of working on stuff that you either are doing or would like to do and that's so valuable from the inspiration you can get there yeah it's funny I just totally forgot about conferences as a way right to, to meet people I was like oh yeah that was a thing that we did before the pandemic and that was one of like one of the the best ways to mm-hmm. to meet new people was to actually like go in person um to a conference and i'm i'm definitely looking forward to being able to do that again um yeah. once we're Retreats all and vaccinated just like mm-hmm. local networking event actually i think back in february i went to a local uh, women's entrepreneur meetup mm. and there was like a little panel um, which was fun. February of 2020, yeah. right? Pretty yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> like I said, it's a mashup. That year is just. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so let's talk about what we've been learning, right? So what we've mm-hmm. been learning in like, for you, it's your first two months of your sabbatical. For me, it's my first two months in entrepreneurship. Um, mm-hmm. I, what I, the first thing that I think would be interesting to hear is like, how are you determining your schedule? Like what's the, how are you determining what schedule is going to work best for you now that your time is your own? That's a funny thing of me is like, I tend to like try to do a lot, but I came into this thinking that I want to create space. It's my word for the year. I'm creating space um, as well in my home by decluttering. So I, I created this kind of schedule going into it. 
And then a week into my sabbatical, I realized I needed to remove a lot of things from my schedule. Um, Jess, you know this. I thought I would declutter my entire home in a week. And then I thought two weeks would be enough. I'm still decluttering. <laughs> I put it on a two-month timeline and it's probably going to take a lot longer. Um, so it started out with taking that list that already had this idea of space into it and then scratching even more things off. That was my first month. I don't know if that was similar to you, Jess, but the first month I was like, okay, I need to remove a lot of stuff. I Mm -hmm. like, I already have a busy, like, even when we don't have the nine to five, like I know parents in the pandemic, it's been crazy. We need flexibility, but even people without children, we just have a lot of pieces, moving pieces, lots of things going on. And yeah, our nine to five kind of like pulls us away from tasks that show up once you're finally done with work. I don't know. How was your first month? Did you find that a few things popped up? I mean, I will say in my first month, I also way overcommitted to things. Mm. Like I was like, oh, I won't be working anymore. So I can do that. Yes, 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 yes. Like I was saying yes Mm -hmm. to way too many things. Um, and I, and I then was like, oh, I really need to like scale that back. Um, and so February, I like did not take on anything new. Um, and that was a little bit like better of like, uh, like I needed a breather because I said yes to way too many things, um, for, for January. And yeah, I, I think I feel similarly. It was like, oh, I didn't have the, you know, for me, it was, I was part-time. And so I didn't have the 24 hours a week that I was working or the like mm-hmm. thinking about work or preparing for work. And yet it wasn't that much time. Like I still need to prioritize and I still need to figure out like what things are most important to me. And I still need to say no to like most requests that I get, (laughs) right? I can't say yes to everything or I will be just like a crazy person and so exhausted. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I've taken one approach like after the first few weeks that has really helped me is having like that 80% overlap with my, my goals. Like whatever I'm doing in my business should have an overlap with my main goals for this year. And I had to scratch off a lot of those goals after a few couple of weeks where I was like, okay, this is not sustainable. Um, and that helped me kind of zone in on what are those activities that I really want and that are really going to help. And that was like making space for my clients, not just the calls, but also space for like creating content for them. And like, like uh, templates and stuff for specific problems for my clients. And then the space for the blog, the space for like networking and the business is other space. It's not just like all business, like there's dedicated things in the business Mm -hmm. that I work on on certain days. Mm -hmm. That's been really helpful and super important for me. And the same for my family time. Like I, I have dedicated like my weekends, I think the last three weekends I have not really worked other than a couple of hours in the morning because I don't want to be with my kids and thinking about, Oh, that, that uh, problem that my client has, like I have, I know I'll have that block of time to dedicate to it and like try to figure out a tool that can help them. Um, so I can be focused on my kids and their 
And I know you're, tell us about your should list days because I, I love Oh those. yeah. So, um, so I, at the beginning of this year committed because I do know that I can get a little overzealous on things, um, and like try to do too much. Um, and so I decided that one day a week I was going to do, um, completely productivity free days. Um, so I wasn't going to do anything productive for an entire day a week. Um, and then actually I heard from one of my coaching clients that she had learned that those can be called shouldless days. So no shoulds, um, for, for the day. And so I've started calling them my shouldless days. Um, so that's been that's been a, a really fantastic practice, and I would like to keep doing that forever. And maybe at some point I'll have two shouldless days a week, um, but I don't feel like I can like I I'm not there yet. Um, I think uh, one other thing that I've that I'm learning um, is that like the timelines that I set are my own, and I have control over them. Right. That it's like when I was working for an employer, they told me what the timelines would be. And I had certain deadlines and like Mm -hmm. I have certain things that I want to do by a certain time. But like if it's stressing me out, I can move it Mm -hmm. or I can say, oh, I am really struggling with writing this week. Like maybe I will just update a previous post and republish it. And like, that's okay. Mm-hmm. Right. And so I'm learning also to like, give myself grace on some of those things and not say like, well, you have all this time now, so you should be able to do right. All of the mm. things when like, right. There's sometimes that life happens or you're like, I'm just not feeling the like same level of inspiration or I'm sick or tired and like, that's okay. I can give myself grace for that. Yeah. And it's a surprising thing at first I've found like, at least in the first couple of months, um, how it's kind of built into us, that productivity nag or that voice of like, I should be doing something and I should be doing it now. Like, it's not okay that I'm chilling. Um, So I think that's going to be a balance and like a work in progress and going to continue to change and adapt. Like this summer, I, w- I want to spend the summer with the kids are going to be with me all summer. So it's, it's, I want to spend quality time with them and I want to reduce my business hours. And sometimes I'm like, oh man, that's going to be hard. It's actually going to be hard to be like, pull myself back from doing the work that I love, but it's also like seasons. But I think we'll, we'll continue to change and adapt, but being mindful of that little keep working voice and like, Mm -hmm. Oh no, I can't, I can't let go of this timeline because I said it. Well, I said it. So I'm the boss. Right. Right. Uh, It's like, I'm the one that set the timeline. I can move it. (laughs) Yeah. My, my partner kind of kids, like when he sees me working like later and I'm not like, I'm really into it, but I'm like, it's kind of like time to go play with the kids and stuff. He'll be like, your boss is being a bit like, tough on you today, isn't she? And I'm like, yeah, all right. <laughs> I'm signing off. Yeah. yeah. It's funny. Cause Corey says the exact same thing. <laughs> <laughs> so that's funny. Let's um, one thing I want to talk about is burnout. Um, mm. And so I know someone had a question for us around like, 
you know, when you, when you leave work and when you make a transition, like you're probably going to be pretty like burned out or tired for a little while, like, especially as that transition is happening and things are hard. So like, how did you, how did you manage that transition? And when did you get to like, when did you get to a place or are you to that place yet where you're like, I'm like energized again, or I'm like to a, to a good sort of like place of with, with that, with that energy level. Um, and mm-hmm. what, what did it take to, to get there? Yeah. Yeah. On specifically on burnout, one thing like as a caveat and to let you know in the background, I back in 2018, we built a garage and we were both working and we had two little ones that were two under two, I think, or yeah, they were somewhere in like one year old and a two year old or a three year old and a two year old. So intense times. And I was actually burning out. It wasn't necessarily my job that was burning me out. It was everything. So back then I did um, take medication. I did have therapy. And this past year in COVID, I found myself having those signals again. Like my body was telling me like my concentration was very low. um, And it played a big part of like why I decided to make the transition sooner. I, I knew that was not sustainable because I had been at that point. So I did not get to the same level this time around like the previous time it took me um several months after the project of our garage and everything had been done before I started feeling like myself again and like energized again um but I did learn during that time and through therapy uh, what helps me and I have been very careful in the last several months like even before the sabbatical to keep having a lot of recovery activities be attentive to those signals my body was giving me. Um, so when I entered the sabbatical, I was not, maybe not at, a, at the previous level that I had been. And I, I still was not that careful. Like the first week, as I mentioned, I, I got exhausted the second week when I tried to declutter, like, I think I did the clothes category at a Mary Kondo way. <laughs> I did like the clothing. I did a couple of other things. And I was like, my body was done. So the second week, my body like kind of decided for me. And since then, I've been making sure to create space for those recovery activities. And it's been gradual where I felt I have more concentration, but I don't, I try not to, (laughs) I should say, not overuse that concentration um, and kind of force myself to take breaks. Um. How, how have you found that with like the mental health as an entrepreneur? It's kind of different. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. Of approaching it. Yeah. Right. I, I think for me, when I think about it, it's not, I think it's not about like doing work or doing no work. Right. Like I know we had a question about mm-hmm. like, when do you know when it's the right time to like pick up a project when you feel really well rested and like you might not feel totally well rested but you might feel better at the end of the day if you if you like did a little bit of something like that's mm-hmm. working toward your goals right and so it was less 
it was less about, um, do I need to completely rest to get to a point where I can do this? But it was figuring out the right balance um, mm-hmm. for me, right? And and right. And as I said, I overbooked myself for the month of January, so things were a little bit crazy. But then moving into February, there were days where I might do two hours of work in a day because I was tired and I was like recovering from you know, realizing that I needed to actually recover from, um, you know, being in the traditional workforce and needing a little bit of time. Mm -hmm. Um, But what, so I guess one thing that I learned actually similarly, so in 2018, I also really burned out as well and learned a lot about how to manage burnout. Um, And One thing that I learned, so I, so I took six months off, um, like completely off of work completely. And at first I was, I was spending just my days doing like full on self-care recovery activities. Right. Um, you know, and just like doing, just relaxing and taking naps and watching TV and all of that. And at a certain point, that is still what I wanted to do but it wasn't helping me get better. Right. And so at that point, my therapist was like, well, maybe we need to add some routine right Mm -hmm. into, into your days and think about long-term goals and things you want to be working toward, but you don't need to spend eight hours a day doing it. Like you can spend two hours a day doing it or three hours a day doing it. Um, And so then I actually started to improve more when I would spend three hours in the morning doing work, right. Doing something productive. Um, and then, you know, take the afternoons to still relax and recover. Um, and so, yeah, so I think for me, it's, it's been less about now, do I need full, fully full like recovery time besides my like one day a week of the completely shedless time and more of like, what is the right balance of how much work I want to do and how much work I feel like my brain and body want me to do in like a given day. Yeah. Yeah. And it's identifying to that type of productive activity that energizes you. Like Mm -hmm. I'll balance out, like there's still, even though I'm choosing what I work on, there's still some things that are, that I enjoy less that need to be done. Mm-hmm. Um, and I try to balance out my week that I kind of sandwich those activities with those, uh, the other stuff that really energizes me. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it's surprising, like the things that will energize you, like reading a novel might energize you or reading a nonfiction might energize you even more, even if it feels more mentally mm-hmm. challenging, I guess. Mm-hmm. Right. Or like, I know that like, I do often get into a state of flow when I'm writing, Mm -hmm. but like writing is deep work and my brain wants me to do deep work in the morning, (laughs) right? Like I'm, I'm less likely to be energized by writing if I wait to do it until the afternoon, right? But if I do it in the morning, I'm, you know, just because energetically that's when like I'm at my best, Right. And so it's also figuring out like, oh, I can adapt to like what my natural tendencies are rather than needing to like 
you know, fit the square peg in the round hole of employment. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, definitely the beauty of entrepreneurship. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so we're actually getting close to the end here. Um, so Mel, I wanted to just give you a chance to tell people one, what kinds of projects you're working on right now, um, and where can people find you? Yeah, well, I'm working on kind of meeting my clients where they're at right now, um, it's been over a year in pandemic, so some people are in tough positions, um, and I, I'm trying to focus on tools and building up stuff that can help people uh, that are more in a bare-bones budget situation and planning ahead. Other people, perhaps, have found themselves like still with the same job but spending less because they're home all the time, so those are the kinds of people that are asking themselves, well, when things open up, what do I do? What do I want to keep? in my financial life or what do I want to allocate these new savings to? Uh, So I'm creating a lot of content around that. I have my blog that turned four years old last week. I'm getting back into writing bi-weekly on there. And I have my, my newsletter that's a little shorter, more personal. And that's where you'll find like any projects or like workshops that are coming up, um, coaching opportunities with me. That's where you'll find that. And on on projects, I'm working on a really fun workshop with a good friend, Jess. I'll let you talk mm-hmm. about that later. <laughs> we're, we're preparing something together. Jess will uh, let you know about it. And I think that's pretty much it. Like I'm on Instagram and Twitter, um, getting more active on Instagram, um, but mostly on Twitter. You can find me mm-hmm. there. What about you, Jess? What awesome. are you working on? Yeah, so... Um, Mel alluded to it, but one of the big projects um, that I'm focusing on and that Mel and I are focusing on together um, is sometime in probably the next, I think it's the next three weeks, um, Mel and I are together going to put on um, a workshop about limiting beliefs. Um, And so we actually ended up talking a lot about limiting beliefs and like ways that we sort of overcame them um, to become entrepreneurs and like the role of community and helping you to overcome, um, you know, the voice of your inner critic that's telling you you're not blank enough to be able to to move forward. So um, stay tuned for that. Um, And then I actually just finished a guide um, to help you identify to help people identify their limiting beliefs. Um, and so I'm actually going to be sharing that with the world tomorrow. Um, and so you, so I'll be sharing all of that. And so you'll have an opportunity. Um, everyone will have the opportunity to download that um, and everything. So that's the, that's the big thing I'm focused on right now. Um, so yeah, so stay tuned um, for all of that. Um, So thank you so much, everyone, for joining us. This was fantastic.